Should we go ahead and get started? Absolutely. Let's jump in. All right. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. Here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. And this season, we're focusing specifically on data-driven leadership and the change required to realize the promise of the data-driven organization. So let's jump right in. Tom, how do you define data-driven leadership? Yeah, great, great question, Alyssa. This is, uh, so data-driven has certainly become a buzzword, both within sort of the change community, the consulting community, and the, the business community at large. From my perspective, data-driven simply means, you know, we look at the numbers and seek to understand the facts before making a decision. Of course, that begs the question, what numbers do you look at? And how does it actually factor into decision-making? That's great. Now, so for those of you who don't know him, Tom Wooten is a CFO and finance transformation professional with experience across a wide range of industries, having led data-driven turnarounds, both as an executive and as an advisor. So I want to key into your use of the word facts here and the world that we live in of sort of alternative facts and our ability today with as much data as is out there and as much processing capability as is out there, to see and hone in on just a slice of the facts or a slice of the data, which really impacts our ability to understand what is real. So how do you think about understanding the entire ecosystem of data to make good decisions as opposed to getting sort of really myopically focused on a specific set of data? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the question around facts, for example, it really, you know, in, in the world that we live in today where people talk about alternative facts and, you know, what do you really believe? I, I think for a company, it, it has to be, what are you grounded in when it comes to the information that you're going to use to make decisions? And how do you ensure that that information is consistent, that information is accessible, and that it's you know, put together in a transparent way so that people understand what's behind it? Right. I think a great example that I've worked with a number of companies on is just the simple question of, are my customers profitable? Right. And how do you pull all the information together to answer that question and establish a set of facts about which customers are profitable or not profitable? And that becomes a very complicated question to answer for a lot of companies. And so as you're going through the exercise of finding that data, doing that analysis, then how do you think about also using that data and driving behavior change with data? Because a lot of times we find that people have access to more data, but they're not necessarily willing to change the way they, they behave. And so they're applying their, their mental models to the data in front of them, as opposed to allowing the data to tell them how the world is changing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the mindset of people going into any sort of a, a decision is important for to, to, I guess, be self-reflective in a way. And, and a lot of people do have sort of mental models they're going to bring um, and biases that they're going to bring. And they may say, you know what, I don't, I don't believe the data. I don't trust the data. Where did that data come from? And that's where, you know, again, I, I kind of go back to this idea of having a certain level of transparency in the data, how it was put together, um, where it came from, um, the, the source associated with it, 
how it was potentially you know, changed or consolidated with other data, ultimately giving people accessibility to that information so that they can see it for themselves and, and you know, have the ability to you know, not just see the output, but actually see you know, the data that goes behind it. And then having consistency in the way the business thinks about data and the key data that's driving their decisions become really important factors. Because if people don't trust the data, if they don't believe the data, if they haven't actually you know, taken the time to say, I think this is the right data for us to be making decisions on, they're going to resist that change. They're going to resist both using the, the information, using the tools, and ultimately they're going to go back to you know, what they believe is true because it's, it's worked for them. And so you talked about like looking at the right data. Who should own the decision about what the right data is in the organization? You know, I don't necessarily think there's any one person um, who should own the data or even any one role, like to say, oh, all of the financial data is the responsibility of the CFO, for example. That sort of abdicates, um, you know, the, the broader responsibility across the company for having accurate financial information. At the end of the day, it's everyone's responsibility to take ownership for, for data. But I do think there are you know, certain roles where it makes sense for people to have a certain level of oversight and a certain level of getting people comfortable and on board with data. A lot of that starts with the executive team. A lot of that starts with having the right messaging from the executive saying, this is the data that we're looking at. These are the, the, the key things that we want to see on a regular basis. Um, and that even goes to the subtle subliminal messages that executives send, you know, when they put together a board report that's entirely PowerPoint based and has Excel charts versus pulling up a dashboard that has, you know, real time data and going through that information. So even something like that, which is just subtle, but then there's also key roles within an organization that are really important, especially as organizations grow and have more data and and more complicated data, having someone whose role and responsibility is focused on data management, I think is ultimately really important. And then defining what that role looks like and, and, you know, the amount of positional power that that role is going to have within a company is really important in terms of driving change and and bringing to light some of the challenges and responsibilities of creating a data-driven company. And so if we think about that data steward organization and, and, and like a data and analytics organization sitting within the company, this is an internally facing department that serves other members of the business. How do you keep that data and analytics org plugged into the business so that they can apply business insights to the data they're looking at? Because at the end of the day, if they're only looking at a spreadsheet full of numbers, they have to have some sense for what that data means. How do you keep that team plugged into meaning and the business? Yeah, I mean, the the simple answer, I guess, would be collaboration or having a collaborative focus within, you know, within the culture. I think tactically speaking, it's a matter of making sure that that person is not seen as, I guess, just one more thing that people have to do. You know, so so that's the, the challenge with any internal organization, whether it's finance or, or HR or IT in a lot of companies, right, is you want that organization to be seen as being value added and something that people really appreciate. What I've found is that done well, that person who's focused on data management becomes a real connector across the company because they have so much visibility and they have so much insight and people say, wow, when I talk with this person, it's really valuable because they bring new things to light or they bring up something that I hadn't considered because they can see 
you know, so much of the picture when it comes to data and when it comes to um, information that's important across the company. And how do you think about career pathing for that org? Are you looking for trained data scientists or are you looking to pull people in as a, on a rotational basis from within different departments in the business? You know, how do you think about career pathing? Yeah, um, also a great question. I, you know, I think that, again, done well, a, a lot of times these are people who have a background in systems, but they are connecting information. They are, they are sort of connectors by, by nature. I, I think we will continue to see uh, this question of data and how you manage data become more and more important. And, and I actually think you'll probably see companies that are having chief data officers and, and ultimately creating executives out of roles that are focused on data and data management and reporting and, and analytics and insights. Ultimately, I think it can be a role within a company that leads to an executive position. But I do tend to think the typical career path would be someone who was in the IT organization, understands the background of the systems, was probably involved in you know, some sort of an integration project when it came to a new system or, or pulling together multiple systems and got background in that way in terms of how all the data works together and how it doesn't. And then kind of ultimately stepped into this sort of a, a data management, data steward or guru type of role. Now, with volumes of data growing exponentially every year and the ongoing evolution and technical solutions available to help turn that data into insights, how are organizations supposed to keep up? The investments you made five years ago in data and analytics, that's now old news. I think, honestly, keeping up is a bit of a fool's errand. I just think the key question for most companies is, what information do I actually need to run my business well? Um, and how often do I need it? And using that as a starting point for defining what is needed. If you just try to go out and say, I need the latest, greatest, you know, shiny piece of software, and that's going to solve my data issues, that's the wrong approach. Makes sense. Where have you seen data-driven leadership done really well? I, I guess to start with this question of where it's done well, I think you have to start with the idea that there's no such thing as perfect. Um, there's no such thing as perfect data, and there's no perfectly data-driven company or data-driven leadership. I think where this is done well, I've seen leaders who are curious when it comes to data, I think have just have an inherent advantage, right, in terms of data-driven leadership. Because I think the best approach when it comes to data and driving a data-driven culture across your company is to say, I know I don't know everything. And that takes a certain level of vulnerability, but I'm really curious about the answer to these questions for my company. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to find the right people, the right information, the right data sets to bring those things together. And then you start applying, okay, how do we do that really effectively? How do we do that within a data warehouse or with the right BI tools so that we can increase accessibility, increase consistency, increase transparency of that information. But it really starts with that level of intellectual curiosity and a vulnerability to say, I don't know everything, but I'm going to go and find the people who can help me answer this question. And so as you're building that, maybe almost that organizational curiosity and you're hiring, what are you looking for in, that, in applicants? What are you looking for during the interview process to pull in those capabilities and that, that frame of mind? Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a hard thing to interview for specifically because I think that in, when you're in an interview and when you're interviewing candidates, it's a really challenging place to let people know, hey, I'm really good at being vulnerable or curious, you know, especially the, the vulnerability aspect. Like that doesn't tend to be something that people want to bring up in an interview. 
Um, but it's extraordinarily important, you know, when it comes to, I think, leading in a way that is creating a culture that is data-driven because it starts with asking questions and knowing that you don't have all the answers. I don't necessarily have a great question of how do you interview for that, except maybe in, when I interview people, I always love to just try to tease out situations and examples where they've used certain skill sets that I am looking for. So give me an example of a time where you were, where you were this or you were that. And of course, that tends to lead to answers that people have already thought about, which is just part of the interview process, but at least gives you some insight to ask the question directly. So what do you see as the biggest obstacle to organizations as they look to sort of realize this promise of data-driven leadership? Two things came to mind as I was thinking about this question. One is, you know, there are fundamental challenges um, that I see when it comes to companies wanting to be more data-driven. And that's the simple question is, is the data available, right? So many companies try to become data-driven and they use it as a buzzword, right? And they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to become data-driven, but they don't actually ask the question, okay, what information am I trying to, to report on it? And is it actually available, right? Can I actually do it? So there's a fundamental question for most companies of what do I actually want to analyze? You know, what information do I need to drive the business? And how do I go out and get it? Because it may not even be available today, or I may not have the right pieces to put together. So there's that, that fundamental question. And then there's a more strategic question of what are those numbers? What is the information that really drives the business? What numbers don't matter? Just as importantly, right? So this idea that strategy is both what matters and what doesn't matter Right, so saying what doesn't matter, because a lot of companies also make the mistake of trying to just report on everything, right? And just having this slew of data that isn't actually insightful and doesn't provide information and doesn't give people any idea of what's important to the executive team. And then ultimately, I think there is the change management aspect of, from a leadership perspective, and even from within the organization, saying here are the behaviors that are important to us. Here's the information that's important to us. And we're going to promote those things. And what I mean by that is simply as an executive, right? As a CFO, the things that I look at and the things that I talk with the board about, the CEO about, they matter and people see those things, right? And that goes for every executive. And it goes for everybody who reports to me and, and everyone within the organization. They see those things that matter, right? And they're going to focus more on those, right? And that sounds really simple, but it gets really lost in the day-to-day of running a company when you're constantly asking for reports that may not matter or looking at old information or having people put together a PowerPoint that then gets shelved, right? You know, people see that and they recognize that I'm doing all this stuff, but it may not actually matter. Whereas if you do focus on having a few KPIs that you really focus on on a regular basis, having those be things that are put into a data warehouse and a dashboard, and you look at those things, you bring them up in meetings and you focus on them, people see that as well. They go, oh, this information really matters. Like I'm going to focus there as well. Having that be in the back of all of those different discussions and the meetings that you have and having it be something that is focused on at the executive level, it filters down. And, And that ultimately, I think, is really important. As well. One of the challenges that, that I've certainly experienced, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is when we think about data recency, it feels like the higher up in the organization you are, the staler your data is because it's had to go through 15,000 layers of socialization and alignment and message alignment before it ever gets to you. And so as an executive, what do you need to do and what do you need to drive culturally to make it a safe place for you to see data that's timely. 
Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Timeliness of information matters when it comes to decision-making. There's a natural limit to that. In other words, real-time data is not always either available or even useful, but having data in a manner and a timeliness that allows you to make good decisions is, is ultimately the goal. Um, and I think this is especially prevalent with financial data as a CFO, right? So monthly reporting, quarterly reporting, annual reporting, all of that's really important. But if I only see financial numbers on a monthly basis, I'm constantly behind when it comes to saying, how's the business actually doing? And so I tend to, at an executive level, want to look at numbers on, say, a weekly basis and then drill down into certain numbers on maybe a daily basis. Some companies may want to even go further with that. I think that, again, the, the key there is to start to put the measurements and then ultimately the processes and the systems in place so that you can get yourself out of this you know, what I call the spreadsheet Olympics and ultimately translating everything from spreadsheets into PowerPoint, into presentations that are supposed to be perfectly polished for, you know, the, the executive team, because that just, all of that slows down information and slows down decision-making. If you can take that information and put it into processes and systems that allow you to get that information on a regular basis, then make decisions based on that, that starts to drive a collective timeliness within the organization where people say, you know what, I don't have to put this into PowerPoint. I already have it in this dashboard and that's what we're gonna look at on a weekly basis, right? And we just pull that up and the real-time data is there. And everybody knows that it's accurate because they know the source information that it comes from and they know if it's getting translated into you know, some other you know, set of information or combined or something like that, everyone knows what's taking place and how it's doing that. If you're making certain assumptions that sit behind that, you've talked about them, the company, the organization, people in those decision-making meetings know the information that goes into it. And so you can avoid this whole discussion of like, how do we get here and do we trust the data and just say, what is the data telling us and what do we potentially need to do differently as a result? And so what role does finance play in, in promoting that kind of transformation and promoting data-driven culture? I mean, I think finance plays an integral role. I mean, certainly, I think that CFOs have been at the forefront of this shift to some extent, just by, you know, more than anything, by dint of being, you know, one of the roles that's at the center of bringing data together, especially financial information. But I also think that you can make just as strong an argument that the you know, the COO has to be just as involved. The chief marketing officer has to be just as involved. All of those roles are becoming much more data-driven. So it's not to say that finance always has to take the lead, but absolutely has to be um, an integral part of creating a, a data-driven organization. And I think oftentimes naturally takes the lead because of you know, people, when people think data, they think finance, they think financial information. And so it's a natural starting point for people to say, okay, our financial information obviously has to be has something we can, we can trust. It has to be controlled. It has to be, you know, something that people have visibility to across the company. And then you can, you know, you broaden from there, but it's, it's an integral, really key component for any CFO. And so for our listeners, you know, what can our listeners do as individuals to more deeply embed data-driven insights into their work and the decisions that they're part of? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a consultant by nature, <laughs> so I sort of came up with three things, and of course, it had to be free. Of course. I bet there's even a PowerPoint slide, and I bet it's really pretty. There, there could have been. <laughs> so I think the first thing, the first thing is be curious, right? Starting with from a place of curiosity to say, what are the questions I'm looking to answer? 
Where's the information that I need to answer that question? Where does it come from? What's the source system? Is there, are there multiple source systems? Um, because oftentimes that is the starting point when it comes to answering data-driven questions. I think the second thing is to be collaborative. Because as I mentioned, companies creating silos, whether it's in different parts of the organization or different systems, is really the death of a data-driven company. You have to be able to break down silos and pull information together. And most companies, if they've been around for any period of time or gone through any level of you know, merger or integration, have multiple systems, multiple data sets, multiple you know, uh, sources of truth, and they have to bring all that information together. And so being collaborative is really uh, important. And then the, the last thing, and I think is especially important for executives, is don't fool yourself. Don't think that your data is perfect. Don't think that you necessarily have all the answers. Challenge yourself to say, okay, do I really understand this problem? Ask yourself, you know, if you, if you have certain information, you know, where are there things that I might be wrong about or that I'm making assumptions about that I need to really test, right? Ask yourself why. Why am I seeing the data in this particular way? Is it a bias that I have? Is it something that's coming out of the data set? Have I just pulled the information together to answer the question the way that I want to, to see the answer, right? All of that's really important. And I think the biggest place that I see companies and executives come to the wrong conclusion or just, I mean, get to catastrophic results when it comes to data is they just, they, they simply fool themselves into thinking that they have the right answer or all the answers without asking the right questions. I love that. Well, thank you, Tom. This has been a great conversation and hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to their organizations, the data, the changes and transitions that they're experiencing. If you'd like to continue the conversation on change management and data-driven leadership, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks. Thanks, Alyssa, for having me. It's been great.